Hey everyone! Hey! My name's Brett. I'm a pastor here at New Life. Um, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read uh, just a, the tail end of what we read last um, last week, and then um, and then we'll pray, and then we'll jump in. Um, hear the word of the Lord. I'll have you stand. Make it all official in a few, or in a few minutes. Sorry, sorry. In a, in a few minutes, I'll have you. I should, I should speak more quickly. Uh, let's just uh, catch up with where we are uh, from last week. Uh, Jonah, uh, this is starting in verse 15 of chapter 1. So, the sailors, the mariners, the, these pagan uh, swashbucklers, picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord, Yahweh, um, all caps right there in the scripture, uh, exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to Yahweh and made vows. And Yahweh appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Uh, Jesus, living Jesus, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're always with us. You're always pursuing us. As we just sang um, (laughs) prophetically over us, it's true. You're pursuing us and you woo us. And help us to um, hear your voice this morning wooing us and calling us into deeper um, relationship with you, which is really just another way of saying deeper life, deeper love. And so we ask, um, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be um, pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock, our strength, our redeemer. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, Seems like most people have a very strong opinion about when Saturday Night Live was at its peak. Don't you? You guys do, don't you? For some people, it's like the Will Ferrell era. Era. Anybody in the like? You think that? And then other people, yeah, yeah. Other people, it's like um, Chris Farley, Adam Sandler ish era. You know? Yeah, you got it, Shauna. And then, uh, and then other people are like, you cannot top like the early years of like Chevy Chase or Dan Aykroyd, or Bill Murray. Yeah, I'm getting, getting a lot of witnesses. But we, I can, we all know when SNL was at its peak. It was whenever Steve Martin was hosting. That's that, yes, yes. I, I, Theodoric of York, has anybody in the room seen this? No? I'm getting a bunch of blank stares. That is unfortunate. You guys need to YouTube this later um, today. It's uh, the medieval barber, uh, Theodoric of York. You would go into him for a neat trim and a nice bleeding. Um, you have leeches put on you. Was, anyway, you got you to see it. It's the closest that I've ever seen SNL getting to like Monty Python kind of funny. And that's, let's, let's, cut, let's cut the crap for just a second. That's where the funny is, Monty Python. Can I get a yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, if there's a book in the Bible that resembles Monty Python sketches from its Flying Circus or Saturday Night Live or something like that, it is the book of Jonah. The, um, we could say it this way just to get our minds around it. Jonah is full of carefully crafted silliness. Um, it's full of 
carefully, like it's meticulously designed, um, and it's very, very silly. Uh, This is our second week in a four-week series on the book of Jonah. We are going to be engaging this uh, psalm. Uh, It's a song that just, if you have a, like a paper Bible, which I always recommend, um, because I'm a Luddite. um, No, you just, somehow I receive it and can retain it better when it's on the, when it's on the paper versus a screen. But uh, I don't think, I, and it's nothing. And it's nothing special about the Bible. It's just like all books for me. Um, but like with Jonah chapter two, if you've got it, it just like stands out like a sore thumb. Chapter two does. That's what we're going to be. It's like the song sitting there in the middle of it. Um, it. It's that's what we're going to be reading today. Um, but I, uh, I just need to say that it is a funny story that we're reading in the book of Jonah. We. St- it started last week, as you would expect just like you'd expect if you were reading the Bible, if you're familiar with the prophets at all. Uh, the word of Yahweh uh, uh, came to the prophet, to Jonah, son of Amittai. It's what it says. Now, Jonah, jo- Joe mentioned this last week. Jonah, son of Amittai, is mentioned um, in, an, in another source in 2 Kings chapter 14. And so we know that, like, at bottom, who we are talking about is some sort of figure rooted in some sort of history. But the story being told about him here in the, the Minor Prophets, it's really the, the Book of the Twelve, the Scroll of the Twelve Prophets, and he's like right in the middle of it. The story being told about him is a wild story. Everything is over the top. Everything is, everybody is acting weird. Everybody's acting in like counter to the way that you would think that they should be acting. If you've read any, it's, it's like Saturday Night Live, or like Monty Python or something. Everybody's acting in kind of an absurd way. The word of Yahweh comes to Jonah, the prophet of Yahweh, who immediately runs from Yahweh. He ends up meeting pagan sailors, you know, rascals, awful, but they don't swear like sailors. In fact, before it's all done, they're swearing allegiance to Yahweh. (laughs) It's what they're doing. They're they're making vows to the God of Israel. Um, The ship itself in chapter one is actually part of the -the over-the-topness. Most translations, um, they uh, talk about the ship uh, in verse 4 of chapter 1, it is threatening to break apart or it's about to break apart. But in Hebrew, the word right there being used of the ship is to think. To think. It's a, like, really, it's that word. It's a word that's almost always associated with some sort of like agency, some sort of something with a brain. It's, it's a bizarre expression in Hebrew when you're reading it. Um, the ship is thinking, it's considering, it's making up its mind. Ooh, am I going to break apart or not? So, so in effect, the, the, you walk away from chapter one of Jonah with like this wild kind of impression. Jonah's running from Yahweh, and so Yahweh hurls, it says. It, he tools uh, a storm into the sea. And so the, the sailors like are aware of this. They're awake to this, and so they start tooling. They start hurling cargo off of the boat. Uh, that's trying to make up its mind about breaking apart. It's like everything in the story is awake to God. The sailors are scrambling. The ship is thinking. Everyone is awake to God except the prophet of God. 
It's absurd. It's very, very silly. Jonah is asleep. It's another weird word where he is. He is asleep in the depths of the ship. It's like the back part of a cave is kind of the word that's being used right there. Uh, He was told at the beginning of this story, it's it's very silly. He was told, verse 2, to arise, get up, get up and go to Nineveh. Those hateful Assyrians, those trained terrorists, those, that threat to your national security, go to them. And so he rises, verse 3, but then he immediately yarods. He immediately descends into uh, to Joppa, is what it says. And then from there, he yarods into a ship. And then by the time, um, he, by the time we get to verse... Um, Where is it? Verse 5, the end of verse 5, we're told that Jonah had eroded, he had descended into the depths of the ship. Three times we're told Jonah is choosing downward instead of rising and going upward. Um, And when he's finally like, get awake, shaken awake in verse 6, he's asked about everything that's happening. What is going on? Do you know what's going on? He just finally throws up his hands in verse 12 and he says, you know what you should do? You should just tool me. Just hurl me into the ocean. That'll fix everything. This is, this is fine. So that I, I guess I'm just pointing out where we've been in Jonah so far. This is a very, very carefully crafted, meticulously. It's very, it's intricate silliness. It's a funny story is what we have here in Jonah. And so the question that brings us to today is like, what is Jonah 2 doing in it? Because if you look at Jonah 2, like, on the page, you're like, what is this? It's like some sort of serious psalm or song just sitting there on the the page. Next week in chapter 3, we're getting, like, the absurdity. The Monty Python sketch is going to continue. Jonah's going to deliver a five-word sermon to Nineveh, and it's going to cause a repentance stampede. Like, the dust is flying. Everybody's just, like, repenting in dust and ashes. The king of Nineveh is, I kid you not, it's absurd. King of Nineveh is going to decree that even the livestock and the cattle should be fasting. Even the livestock and the cattle should be dressed in sackcloth. (laughs) I kid you not. Read it in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 3. Do it right now. You can look it up. It's very funny. It's silly. And then in chapter 4, the the silliness will continue. The, The story ends in kind of this surreal, haunting way with God growing up some sort of tree or shrub or something over Jonah to give him shade, and then God sending a grub, a maggot, something that eats up this shade and puts him like exposed to the elements, the sun and the east wind, and Jonah is going to get suicidal about it. <laughs> like, no joke, he says he wants to die several times. About a plant, about a, yes, it's funny. Jonah's funny. It's wild. It's over the top. It's quite silly. And so we're going to, but as we're going to see like here and as we continue in the series, we, sh- we could say it this way. There is serious substance behind Jonah's silly story. There's serious substance behind Jonah is, te- the book of Jonah is telling a very serious story in a very silly way. Um, when we see something like this um, on Saturday Night Live or TV or movies or literature or whatever these days, we call it satire. 
is what we call it. You, everybody's, it's very silly, but it's making a very serious point. You guys, have, you guys are all familiar with this. The, the silliness of what's being, is saying something serious. And every chapter of this over-the-top book um, has just got like silliness exploding, like blasting you in the face, except for Jonah 2. It doesn't seem obviously silly or it, when you look at it on your page, aside from the fact that he's singing his prayer in the stomach of a big fish, which, let's get honest, that's really silly, isn't it? Um, Jonah 2 looks like uh, just a straight-faced psalm. What's going on here? And so go ahead and stand. We're a quarter of the way through the sermon, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> Plan these things out. But let's read it. Uh, Jonah chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to Yahweh, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to Yahweh out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, the underworld, the Jewish underworld, I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven from your sight. Yet again, I shall look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. That's the underworld, the the shield, um, that land. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Yahweh, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered Yahweh, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Verse 10, and Yahweh spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, you can be seated. Whenever, uh, whenever I've heard this song, um, whenever I've seen this in Jonah, it seemed so strange. It looks like a psalm just sitting in the book, doesn't it? Yeah, when you look at it, like on, on my page, it just looks like, like a serious song of devotion inserted here in like the middle of, we've established, a very silly story. Why is it here? What's it doing here? The rest of the book is so like over the top that a psalm in the middle looks kind of out of place. Am I right? I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to read the Bible here. That's all I'm trying to ever do. Um, but the longer I've looked at this, I'm convinced that it's actually exactly where it's supposed to be because I am convinced, and I will present this to you. Uh, I've never heard a sermon on this. I'm convinced that it's like the rest of Jonah. I'm convinced, we could say it this way, Jonah 2 is a very silly song with very serious substance. It's like the rest of the book of Jonah. It's a very silly song. So let's, our plan for the time we've got left I just want to talk about the silliness. Let's talk about the silly. 
And let's talk about the serious. Sound good? And then we'll come to the table. First, the silly. It doesn't look silly, does it? Immediately on the surface? You guys can know. It doesn't. It doesn't. I, like, I, I've read it for years, and I haven't recognized it. Um, I like to understand the Bible. <laughs> fault of mine. <laughs> I like to read it and um, get it. And the longer I sit with the Bible, the more I realize the, its intricacy. The Bible as a whole, not just Jonah, but its intricacy, its subtlety, its sophistication. Like, it's like Shakespeare. <laughs> we Pretend like it's children's cartoons. Um, I just need to name this before we go any further. The Bible is genius literature. Christians trust that it's more than that, but it's demonstrably not less. If this, it's, it's genius literature. If you feel like you're, that you're like drudging through and you're like, ugh, this is so silly and dumb. It's like, no, you have not like, it's way ahead. It's like lapped you. Um, it's lapped you. It's way ahead of you. It's, we have to be the ones to sprint to catch up with the genius of, of the Bible. It is demonstrably, it's demonstrably genius literature. And as Christians, we trust that it's more than that, that it's God's word to us. What we have here in the middle of a very silly story, until someone else can convince me otherwise, and I dare you to, uh, is the equivalent of a Weird Al song. That is what, any Weird Al fans in the, in the, in the, yes, no shame here, no judgment. I like Weird Al. Everybody does secretly. He, what Weird, if you guys are not familiar with Weird Al and his long hair and his just, his epicness, what he does is he takes a very familiar tune. He takes a song that you're familiar with. It's carefully crafted. It sounds like a serious song that everybody knows, and yet it's actually absurd, when he's singing it. And so Weird Al turns Michael Jackson's Beat It into the very familiar, famous song, Eat It, of course. He turns Coolio's Gangster's Paradise into, of course, Amish Paradise. It's all, and he sings it like, he sings it straight at you. He's not like winking at the camera at all. He's just singing it very seriously, and it's all super silly. The melody is familiar. We're all well acquainted with the rhymes, the rhythms, the movement of whatever song he's singing. But Weird Al, when he's singing it, it's meant to make you laugh. And something very similar is going on here in Jonah 2. He says in verse 3, the, the absurdity of this. Um, I'm sorry, I've, my, he says in verse 3, he says, you've, you've cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas. Waves and billows are passing over me. These are familiar words from the Psalms, from the Psalter, the 150 songs and prayers of Israel. The, the waters, verse 5, are closing in over me. The deep surrounds me. These sound familiar, these images do, because they are familiar. Everybody knows these songs. Um, it sounds like the Psalms, let's get specific for just a second. There are literally like dozens of examples that we could choose from. Let's just pick one for a second. Psalm 69. Um, Psalm 69, starting in verses 1 and 2, uh, it should be up here on the screen in just a second. Um, it says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. 
I sing in deep mire. There is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. That sounds like Jonah 2, right? Not wrong. Not making a, nothing tricky going on here. Jonah 2 sounds serious, the sacred songs of the, of the Psalms. In fact, there's almost nothing original in Jonah 2. If you were to analyze it like I did over the last couple of weeks, um, it is a meticulous mishmash, a carefully crafted grab bag, if you will, of lines and images and metaphors from other psalms. He's in a dark season, and so Jonah, he's in the gut of a fish, and so Jonah is singing like a bird. He's singing praise songs, the songs of Israel, the prayers of Israel, but here they are utterly absurd because, if you can't catch it yet, when David wrote lyrics like this in the midst of trouble and heartache, these words are stunning. They're beautiful art when David writes them. There's nothing silly about it. We don't know when Psalm 69 was written, what the circumstances were, but other Psalms we do with images like this. In other psalms, David is like using these types of images to process uh, like the guilt of grossly abusing his royal authority, of murder, the heartache of losing a newborn son. He's processing like the betrayal of a grown son wanting him dead, like the deepest kind of human heartache that you can have. And he's using like an image like an ocean riptide, getting viciously like sucked under the water because it is the only image that can get at, it's the only metaphor that can get at his surprise and his danger, and the anxiety, and like the shockingness of what he is experiencing, and his lyrics about sinking into the ocean sound beautiful in the Psalms because they're metaphor. They're an image. When you describe in music what is literally, actually happening to you, it's not art anymore. It's absurdity. It would be like um, Saturday Night Live if they borrowed lyrics from some song that we all knew about like uh, crushing guilt in my heart, about feeling guilty. And we were like, I feel so terrible about it. I feel so guilty that it's like I'm, oh, I'm being eaten alive from the inside. This, this guilt is so awful. I'm being eaten alive. But then if Saturday Night Live took that familiar song and then had somebody like a, a big stuffed animal tiger like eating this person and they're like hanging out of their mouth and they're singing, being eaten alive is so awful. It's like I'm being eaten alive. At that point, yeah, at that point it's absurdity. The, it, there's no metaphor anymore. There's no art Anymore, A song about sinking in the ocean sounds ridiculous right here because it is ridiculous right here. There's no image, there's no metaphor, there's no art. Jonah has sunk in the ocean and is singing about sinking in the ocean. At first, it was something Jonah was choosing to do. First, he was choosing to um, urad. He was choosing to go down to Joppa. He was choosing to go down into the ship. He was choosing to go down into the deepest part of the ship. But what was at first his choice uh, is now like he's lost control of the situation. And he is, um, verse 6 of the song 
He's rotting. He's going down into the ocean depths. There's like irony here. There's absurdity here. There's funniness here. There's seven watery references clustered in verses two and three and five and six. Every reference, every time he's singing about oceans and waves and billows, and it's like ladling on more and more silliness until you finally get to a seaweed turban wrapped around his head in verse six. Seaweed is wrapped around my head. Okay, okay, Jonah. Now we've reached maximum levels of slapstick. Like this is as silly as it gets. It's like, um, it's a bit like Monty Python singing about being a lumberjack, and I'm okay. Um, or SNL singing about uh, like being on a boat. Um, it, is, it is funny. Um, but they're not wearing T-shirts as they're singing these songs saying, oh, by the way, we're being silly here. Maybe, 20, maybe 2,500 years from now, when somebody recovers SNL being on a boat, they're all going to think, oh, they were being quite serious about their flippy floppies. Um, but to us, the silliness is obvious. Jonah, too, is like the serious words of the Psalms turned very, very silly. Um, but there is serious substance behind all the silliness, and now... As promised, the serious. Um, I might feel differently about this in 10 years, but best I can tell right now, Jonah 2 seems to function in the story of Jonah and in scriptures as a whole as the Bible's big, bright, red, flashing warning light against spiritual self-deception is what it seems to function as. Don't be, don't let your spirituality trick you. Don't be deceived by it. Has anyone, did anyone notice as we read it or if you've read it before, what is missing from Jonah's song? I'm sorry. Repentance. Confession is what's missing from it. There are plenty of places in the Psalms that he, if he's got a grab bag of Psalms going on, he could have, he, he could have gone anywhere. Psalm 32, for example. He could have gone to Psalm 32. Uh, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to Yahweh, and you forgave the iniquity of my... Or Psalm 51, for that matter. If he, that's the famous one. Have mercy on me, O Yahweh, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. There are plenty of places in the Psalms where he could have gone for repentance, for confession, for vulnerability, for here, this is what's going on in me. God, I am sorry. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And as carefully, meticulously as this book is constructed, that is not by accident. There's something subtle and brilliant being communicated here. Jonah is singing like a bird in the gut of a fish. It just happens to be a particular kind of bird. It's a parrot that he's singing like. He's parroting praise 
is what he's doing. He's just saying what he's heard. He's saying what he's supposed to say, and he's avoiding confession in all of this. The final, um, the final verses of the song, the stanzas, uh, they contain like this tight little cluster of like really serious substance. Jonah in verse 8 is like looking down his nose on those people, those people out there who devote themselves to idols. Ugh. They, those idolaters, those nations, those pagan sailors, those worthless Ninevites, they're awful. They're the ones forsaking chesed. They're the ones forsaking God's loyal covenant love. Um, Jonah, can you see yourself? Can you hear your, do you see where you are? Maybe you should, um, how would Jesus say it? Maybe you should take the branch out of your eye until, and not worry about the bit in other people's eyes. The, those sailors aren't stuck in a fish's stomach. Those sailors were sacrificing to Yahweh. The Jonah says, verse 9, he, at the end of the song, he says that he's going to sacrifice to Yahweh with, quote, a voice of thanksgiving. With my voice! With my words, I will, the service of my lips, I give to you. Uh, and that's all it is at this point, Jonah. It's lip service. I, you will sacrifice? Okay, well, um, so far, that's all it has been, Jonah. Let's see you turn it around. Let's see you do something with this. And again, verse 9, he says, that I'm making a promise to you, Yahweh. What I have vowed, I will pay. Finally, he's catching up with the pagan sailors at the end of chapter one, isn't he? They were making vows to Yahweh right there. He, he's catching up with, it says verse 16, then the men feared Yahweh exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to Yahweh and made vows. So chapter one ended with vows being made. Now chapter two is ending with vows being made. Just pointing out this is meticulously crafted story but at this point, Jonah, your promises, that's all they are. They're promises. Those pagan sailors, they were making literal sacrifices on the deck of the ship. They were grabbing whatever livestock happened to be with them, like sacrificing to, yeah, costing them something. Let's see it cost you something, Jonah. It remains to be seen whether your vow is going to be anything more than an empty promise. And then, like, the, the culmination of all of it comes at the very end of the song when he, he quotes, he sings the beautiful lyrics of Psalm 3. He sings, salvation belongs to Yahweh, to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, Yahweh, the God of Israel. He's the owner of salvation, of deliverance, of rescue. Yes, and if salvation belongs to Yahweh, Jonah, well, can't he give it to whoever he pleases? That's the whole point, is he wants to give it to Nineveh. And you're in the belly of Sheol, verse 2. You're in the stomach of a fish, precisely because you don't want God to be generous with salvation. That's why you're here. How do we know that? How do we know? Because that's what Jonah says at, by the end of the book. 
here. The scene four of the story, Jonah finally says, it's the moment when all posturing and pretense and like parroting of praise, all of it drops. And Jonah finally, it says, verse uh, 10 of chapter three, when God saw what the Ninevites did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said that he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my own country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew, I knew you, God. You're a gracious God and merciful. You're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is a perfect example of the Bible like lapping us, of the Bible, how brilliant the Bible is. We read Jonah 2 first on its surface and we think, oh, well, this is nice, a very serious song going on right here. I guess Jonah's repenting. But the Bible's meditation literature is the, the, the story is designed to be read and reread talked about, thought about, designed to be prayed through for a lifetime. And this moment, this is the moment in chapter 4 when we finally recognize what Jonah 2 is all about. This is the moment when all of the silliness just drops off and Jonah is finally out of the darkness He's finally in the bright sunlight before God, and we finally see what's going on inside of the prophet of Yahweh. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. O Jonah, finally, finally we're getting somewhere. That is what you needed to say. That's what you needed to say this whole time. You're full of hate. You're full of, like, like you hate those idolaters. You are rotting from the inside. You're being eaten alive. That's why you're running. That's why you're so angry. That's why you want to die. I, Jonah, I am sorry that you're hurting so badly. You've got like this festering ball of darkness within you. And now, oh, finally it took forever to get out. Jonah 2, um, it shows us the tragic silliness of parroting praise from a rotting heart. God prefers our festering depths to our surface praise. That's what he wants. God wants our festering depths. He doesn't want our surface praise. And that's because God wants us. He wants you. He wants our depths, our hearts. Even if they're rotting away, he wants our hearts because he wants us. He loves us. He wants like all of us, our lives, no matter what kind of condition we're in because We're loved. Jonah's loved. Nineveh's loved. You are loved. The love of God is chasing all of us down and wanting us to 
finally meet him as who we really are. At bottom of things, Jonah, Jonah's confined in the belly of a fish. He's confined to the darkness of a fish because he was already confined to the darkness of his own hatred. God, God's like, I'll do whatever it takes for Nineveh to be saved and also for Jonah to be saved. And I'll let him sit in darkness if that's what it takes. I'll puke him out onto the shore if that's what it takes. I will send maggots and grubs if that's what it takes for him to finally get honest about his despair, about his hatred, about his anger. For Jonah, it takes a really long time. For all of us, it takes a really long time. But salvation belongs to God, and God is giving it to us, and it's painful to receive a lot of times. The question is whether we will get real and receive it. How, and so the question this morning that I'm left with with Jonah 2 is how often do our prayers sound like Jonah 2? How often do our conversations with each other sound like Jonah 2? Like, oh yeah, we're talking about the right spiritual sounding things and we're using the right phrases and Christianese and lyrics from scripture, whatever, but the source of our running our pain, our ugliness, it never comes to light. How, yeah, our, our, our doubt never comes out. Our anger never comes out. Our fear never comes out. Our hate never comes out. In front of other safe, vulnerable, vulnerable relationships with other people or before God himself. But here, here's what Jonah 2 speaks to me. Um, our hearts, they only get unchained when they get unearthed. It's the only time our hearts get unchained. And the, the room is full of people who would like testify to that. My heart finally got unchained when I finally unburied it. <laughs> when I finally unearthed it. God can only cleanse the heart that confesses. That's the only p- kind of heart that it's I think, possible for God to cleanse because he wants us to participate. Until we finally get real with God, we're, we're like rotting in a pit of darkness because we've already got the pit of darkness rotting in us. We're only cleansed when we confess. And that's what God is inviting us into this morning all of our lives, a life where we're not parroting what we're supposed to say, a life where we're not pretending to be what we're supposed to be, a life that instead says before God and before other people, here it is, that's me, this is me. This is what's going on inside of me. This is what I've become. This is the hatred that I have. These are the doubts that I have. It's only when we say, I'm rotting away, I'm being eaten alive, that God says, now, finally, finally, we're getting somewhere. Finally, we're getting somewhere. And the good news, the gospel this morning, brothers and sisters, is that God is not far from us. He's not far off. 
He's not aloof. He's not high in some lofty temple somewhere where our prayers, maybe they'll reach him, maybe they won't, like, like Jonah's song sings. He's not calloused. God is not cold. God is not uncaring about our pit of darkness. No, the life and death and resurrection of the, in history of Jesus of Nazareth is that God, the God of love, has gone to the deepest, darkest pit possible. The God of love has suffered the worst for us and with us. And God, this God, will never, ever, ever, if I could look all of you in the eyes, I would do it. He will never let you go. He has not let you go. He has not let you go. He loves you too much to let you run away. And he loves you too much to let you stay asleep in the deep of the ship. And he loves you so much that sometimes he knows to get it out of us, he's going to have to let the scary swallow us. But love is what's catching us. Even whether it's a giant fish or a giant storm, if need be, love is what's catching us. Love will wait for us through all of our pretending and through all of our performing. Love is going to save the universe one day, and love will save us. Love will heal you. Love will rescue you when you're finally ready to get real. And when we finally get real, that's when we start learning to sing a new song. And so Jesus, it's too scary. The pit of darkness is too scary and we don't know how to cope with it and we do try all kinds of things. We ask that you would... um, Assure us of your presence. Remind us of Jesus who became visible and touchable and hearable for us and shows us that you are with us even on the cross. Strip us of all the ways that we pretend and we perform and help us to get real before you and before others. We ask and we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.